The past is a lesson to be learned from. The future is an unknowable enigma. The present is the point where these two ideas converge and where we're left both lost and found within our own mindscapes. I am calling from Elm Lake. Hello again. It has been a couple of weeks since I last came here. Almost a fortnight since the first time I used this space and broadcast a message. A message that I am still unsure if it has been heard or if it's simply sent out to the ether to spiral and bounce forever, undiscoverable. I have been afraid to return, concerned that my forays and explorations would draw the attention of the town council. There must be a reason the space has been left unused for so long, and I don't want our elders to cast me as a heretic, or worse. However, there are things that must be addressed, events that must be relayed. What happens here in Elm Lake extends far beyond our borders, far beyond our valley. The word must be spread. Early last week, Angus Thorpe was working in his fields. His planting had seemed to go awry, and he was doing what he could to try and salvage some of the crops. Shortly before the noon hour, Angus stood stock still in the middle of the field, staring towards the west. He stood there unmoving for what seemed like minutes, but was truly hours. As the sun descended, Angus returned to his work, and when asked what he had seen, he couldn't give a clear answer. In the middle of last week, Jenny Fowler was conducting one of her nighttime walks. With the moon high in the sky, Jenny's feet suddenly pointed her to the west. She continued to walk the path she had traced previously, but the entire time, she was facing west. After an hour, whatever had seemingly gripped her released its hold, and Jenny Fowler's walking continued, as though nothing had happened. Last Friday, Marcus Grant was setting up his vendor stall in the old schoolyard. His baskets were overflowing with peppers, and he had brought a special selection of onions and tomatoes. He was only beginning to lay out the green bell peppers when he fell to the floor, his head pointing toward the west. When Marcus came to, his stall had been completely set up, although none of the other vendors took credit for offering any assistance. Marcus proceeded to sell all of his tomatoes and all but one of his onions. It was not a good day for Peppers. Sunday afternoon, Amelia Ashford was hanging her laundry from the line. For reasons she could not understand, she had restrung all of the laundry lines so that the clothing and sheets could face towards the west, and she spent the entire afternoon standing behind the laundry, pinning it up with her back to the eastern sky. It was only when she was hanging the last of her shirts that her compulsion left her, and she clipped it directly to a tree branch facing to the north, west, and west again. This is more than a coincidence. This is a compulsion, a coordination. 
And dear listener, I think I know what may be causing it. There has been a bunker discovered just outside the western edge of town. The bunker was discovered initially by Lorraine Powell and George Mooney. They, with the rest of their excavation crew, were digging in a new foundation for yet another apartment complex. They continue to build apartment complexes, ignoring that Elm Lake has both a large number of vacant apartment buildings and no new residents to speak of. However, when Lorraine and George are asked, they simply say that they must keep themselves busy. It wouldn't do to stay idle. We all remember what happened to those who became too idle. When they are asked what they are remembering, they simply laugh and reply, You must remember too. You won't trick us with your unanswerable questions. They then return to their work of constructing new apartment complexes. On this particular morning, they were digging into the ground, trying to find a suitable depth for the base of their newest project. As they were digging, they felt something hard fight against their machinery, and their shovels were met with a clanging noise. Slowly, carefully, they began to unearth metal, undamaged by the digging and the tons of dirt it was buried under. The metal eventually was revealed as a roof, crafted in a dome shape. The roof was mostly unearthed on Monday, when Angus Thorpe was working in his fields. It took a couple of days to find vents and ducts connecting the bunker with the outside world above the dirt. They are thin, and the grates capping them are sealed, unable to be opened from the initial efforts. These vents were fully unearthed and connected on Wednesday night, under the light of the moon, just as Jenny Fowler was proceeding on her walk. More digging commenced, exposing the bunker's walls, showcasing its great size. The smooth metal dome of the roof extended down, not fully semi-spherical, but definitely inspired by such construction. It was almost as though a grain silo had been planted into the ground, reaching far into the earth. It was Friday when one of the walls was fully unearthed, relatively early in the morning as Marcus Grant was preparing his onions and peppers and tomatoes for the day. Lorraine and George were enthralled with their discovery, but knew that there had to be more. A fervor took them, causing them to want to dig faster, pushing their crew and their equipment to the limit. Finally, on Sunday afternoon, as Amelia Ashford was hanging her laundry to dry, a door was discovered set into the eastern wall of the bunker, facing towards Elm Lake proper. Try though they might, Lorraine and George have thus far found themselves unable to open it. This metallic building seems to be calling on a frequency not all can hear, or at least not at all times. The door itself is almost taunting the residents of Elm Lake, daring us to open it and uncover the secrets within. The town elders have held a meeting, and they have decreed that the bunker should be buried again. But is this a case where they are wrong? where we must learn the secrets that are contained within before hiding them once again in the bowels of the earth. Nevertheless, we are subject to their statements. 
and Lorraine Powell and George Mooney have begun the process of reburying the bunker once again. On Monday morning, the door is covered, sealing off the primary method for gaining entrance. As the last drops of dirt seal over the entryway, Amelia Ashford is once again in her yard, once again with her laundry, this time taking it down, facing steadily to the east. Amelia assembles her laundry in baskets, taking it back inside, and settling down with a cup of tea. Monday afternoon, the walls of the bunker are buried. Marcus Grant gathers up his vegetables, satisfied that he needn't carry too many peppers back home, and glad that he made the decision to bring broccoli and carrots to the market today. As he is closing down his stall for the evening, he sits for a quick rest, his eyes scanning lazily to the south. Tuesday lunchtime sees the vents and ducts again return to the earth, leaving their ends capped and exposed to the air above. Lorraine and George want to ensure that airflow is maintained and they want to use these pipes as a marker of sorts should the town elders reverse their decision on the bunker. All the while, Jenny Fowler is preparing her basket for her nighttime walk, shielding it from prying eyes with her body. She is angled to the west. Finally, Tuesday, as the sun is setting, the last shred of the roof is concealed from view. The bunker is once again completely buried, and Lorraine and George are content, knowing that they finished a project, even if it wasn't another apartment complex. The two head to their respective homes, and Agus Thorpe walked to the northern end of his fields to gaze at the mountains beyond. We are already being asked to forget the events of the past couple of weeks. The sirens have continued to remain silent, which fills me with a nervous tension. Town elders have begun to speak as though there has never been a discovery of this sort within Elm Lake. I am going to do my best to ensure that we remember that the story is told. I, I want us all to remember the walls constructed of stone a flat roof that was made of thatch and this this was a cabin high up in the mountains somewhere on the eastern end of town right since it was just a cabin I don't even know why I reported the story People need a shelter when they are going through the mountains to procure food. It's nothing of any significance. Besides, the town elders have reminded us that the cabin had been there for a long while, but that we can't see it now due to a terrible avalanche. It will be rebuilt, I'm sure of it. This will be another project for Lorraine Powell and George Mooney. Maybe they will turn it into one of their beautiful apartment complexes. After all, Elm Lake could certainly use more affordable living spaces, and Lorraine and George are the best construction team we have. We're proud of their contributions and hope for their continued safety as they head to where the cabin once sat. With that, dear listener, 
I will leave you once again to your own devices. May this message fall upon pleasant ears and pleasant hearts. Look ahead, for tomorrow is waiting. Elm Lake is waiting. Lake Episode 2, The Bunker, was written, recorded, and produced by Sean Monahan. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ElmLakePod to add a little irregular strangeness to your social media profile. If you've come to visit our strange little town thanks to Apple or Google Podcasts, feel free to leave a rating and review. Your words could help new listeners hear the call of Elm Lake. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, you can simply head to patreon.com slash calling from Elm Lake. Your support will help us continue to grow and unfold the story and bring new elements into play as we move forward. The wind whispers different names, and what you hear is determined by which languages you speak.